you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome to the show. And of course, we'll be talking politics and about many of the absurdities of our life here in America as well. Those subjects often can be one and the same. These are indeed difficult times. America isn't a perfect place in perfect harmony, as we've all noticed. But it's also true that we sometimes are the partial architects of our mistakes, conflicts, and sometimes misery. For example, who do we blame for Joe Biden? So many people share some responsibility, starting, of course, with Joe Biden himself, his wife, Jill, who insists on being called Dr. Jill, the puppet masters who decided to put them in the White House, the Marxist Dems and the liberal wing of the Republican Party, the rhinos, closer to Dems than the GOP, but still, they're in the party, and usually party leaders. We don't have many leaders, true leaders in Washington, but we still prize them when they emerge or burst into view, like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is saving Twitter and free speech at the same time. But the Marxists left within Twitter are not at all grateful for their salvation. They're in, what is the right phrase here? Buttercup meltdown at the prospect of no longer being employed by an authoritarian Marxist left force in America's body politic. They can't seem to celebrate freedom of speech, fair and balanced. They want to destroy Republicans and conservatives, period, full stop. They will no longer be, of course, warriors for American authoritarianism. They'll have to settle now for being employees of the most successful businessman in history. Brilliant, a free spirit, an original mind, and responsible for founding and managing SpaceX, the most successful private space launch company in history, and Tesla, the most successful electric vehicle manufacturing company in the world, ever. Elon is also the richest man in the world. Do you notice I call a man I never met by his first name? He is also unpretentious, highly relatable, and has an always on display sense of humor that makes you forget that Elon Musk is also a man who not only has made history, but is now a historical figure. Edison, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, Carnegie, Ford, and Musk, or if you prefer, Elon. And now he's in a battle with the federal bureaucracy and the Marxist left. And he, as far as I know, is a political agnostic, but an American citizen who knows his rights, his history, and also his place in history. And that place is getting bigger, it seems, every year. That's great for Elon and America. And speaking of great Americans, our guest today is my favorite radio talk show host, a broadcasting legend who hosts the Mark Simone Show on WOR, syndicated nationally, but who we call Mr. New York, because that's who he is. Mark, great to have you back with us on the Great America Show. 
And now the great Mark Simone. Mark, great to have you with us again. Good to have you on the Great America Show. Great to be on. I listen all the time. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate it so much. And I, I want to start with this. I don't know what to call it. Uh, this sort of uh, dissonance in the universe for the Republican Party. Uh, I, Kevin McCarthy, everything that keeps coming out about him, the audio tapes, you wonder why in the world anybody hasn't already escorted him out of the building that is the figurative building where the GOP uh, House members live and and remove him from leadership. What do you think? I, who's going to remove them? They're all just as bad. <laughs> well, they're, all, they're all horrible. Uh, I, I love the way they make this the biggest story, the opening story on the news. Uh, this uh, explosive recording. If there's a conversation with Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney, you can't even stay awake, let alone be explosive. I mean, who's going to listen to that? Uh, it, it, <laughs> I got to be honest. It's exactly what I expected out of Kevin McCarthy. He panicked. He told her whatever she wanted to hear. Uh, that's the swamp. They say whatever they got to say to sit in power. Well, and, and now you're, you're hurting my feelings because <laughs> uh, we started with Kevin McCarthy, just like everybody else did, no, says I Mark Simone. I, it's hurtful. That's hurtful, Mark. Uh, it's also true. I, I, I'm really taken by the story, though, because I really didn't expect, uh, you know, whatever he did with Liz Cheney, I, I, I personally, I could care less. She is a Democrat. And he's he's a treacherous rhino, which is worse than I think a Democrat many times. So that doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me is the sort of uh, fourth grade nonsense talking about, well, what did he say? And, oh, no, we can't have that. And he said this and talking about Louis Gohmert doing this or that. There isn't anything Louis Gohmert has ever said that wasn't uh, you know interesting. Uh, and sometimes provocative, but it's not exactly something you'd want to uh, burn a building down over. Uh, and in this case, the Capitol, because he is a good guy, a great American. Uh, and, uh, and, and he can be funny as the Dickens. Uh, Kevin McCarthy hasn't got a sense of humor anywhere in his soul. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know what uh, was really going on because this is being leaked out by these left-wing reporters. Maybe right. there's just as much audio of Kevin McCarthy in another conversation saying, we love Donald Trump. He should never resign. He should stay. I have a feeling <laughs> he just tells anybody what they want to hear. It depends who's on the phone. But they're selectively leaking out uh, what they want to leak out. Well, that's, that is absolutely true. And they are left-wing reporters indeed. Uh, but at the same time, we have a few problems in the uh, Republican side, even without McCarthy. Do you think he should resign? Tell me, can you, do you want to get into this one? Well, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I'm not a big fan, but, uh, uh, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, who's, who would you trust in that job in the Congress? Uh, that was the thing about Donald Trump. He wasn't from the swamp. He wasn't a politician. He said what he thought. At least, you know, where he stood on everything. These guys, you don't know where they stand on anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like Rand Paul. I like a few of these guys because at least they're honest. Love them or hate them, at least they're honest. Yeah, I agree with you about Rand Paul. I agree with you about. Yeah, I agree that uh, Jim Jordan is in that. Uh, that Jim Jordan. Class. Yeah, he's a terrific guy uh, and would make a wonderful speaker. Uh, somebody told me uh, who I wouldn't want his name bandied around. Uh, he said he doesn't think that uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> that Jordan would uh, take on that job because of all of the people he'd have to manage. Uh, he thinks that'd be a very frustrating job for for Jim Jordan. 
which is which it would be, I'm sure, for anyone. I, I it's just what it is. But we've got to have leaders who are principled, who've got some guts, uh, who represent the, the the American people. What does McCarthy represent? He represents the Democratic Party. Uh, that's not a very fair negotiation when when he and and House Speaker Pelosi get together. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And yes, ma'am is about all that you would hear from him. Yeah, it's a thankless job. You know, if you're the uh, president or uh, governor, you're the CEO, you order these people around. They're your employees. They do what you tell them to do. If you're in the Congress, you have no power over anybody. you got to beg and plead for votes. you got to maneuver and pander and do all that stuff. I, I don't know how anybody survives in that job. Look at the guys that last along as Chuck Schumer. Does anybody know what he stands for? He doesn't even know. He doesn't even care. He'd just say whatever he's got to say to stay there. Oh, you are so right. I've had a few experiences with uh, uh, Senator Schumer, and yeah. he is—he is quite a—he's uh, quite a boy. I—I uh, I don't know that he's a model for much of anything, though. Uh, he's a he, model for total insincerity. He puts on a ch- cheap sport coat, those little glasses, and he reads the index cards at his press conference and goes home. He doesn't stand for anything. He disappears. Have you noticed? He's not around for it. I, I'm not really sure. It's as if he's letting Mitch McConnell do all the talking because uh, that means his job will be safe because McConnell is uh, sinking the Republican boat and floating the the Democratic boat. How, How could you do better than that? Yeah, he's like me in school, sitting in the back of the class. I hope the teacher doesn't see you. <laughs> Just stay out of the way. <laughs> Let it all go rolling by. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about uh, the president's reaction to all of this. Uh, his reaction is, it's frankly reminiscent of Mark Simone's. He says, McCarthy does, Trump is fine and quietly moves to tamp down the fallout after damaging audio revealing January 6 views. Uh, it was a lot more than that, but that really is the essence of it. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, for, for, obviously, this was leaked for one purpose, to make it look like there's a civil war in the Republican Party. And Donald Trump isn't going to let these liberal reporters have that kind of satisfaction. Uh, and I'm sure Kevin McCarthy was on the phone with him one second later apologizing, and they've got some kind of agreement between the two of them. So uh, I, I think uh, McCarthy is useful to Trump right now uh, un, until there's a big takeover in November. Then everything changes. Yeah, I, I just, as I'm sitting here watching this uh, campaign unfold, I'm worrying about whether or not the Republicans have got the wave strength that they're supposed to, according to the strategist and the pollsters. And at the same time, Trump not uh, accepting McCarthy. I, I mean, that's terrible. Some of the endorsements that Trump is making, I really have serious questions about. Uh, your reaction to endorsements of, on on primary candidates by a president. Well, uh, you know, his argument is uh, they may not be what you want in the primary, but I'm picking who can win in the general. And in some cases, there's just a law. You know, he's always been close to Dr. Oz. There's a, there's a loyalty there to him. Right. And uh, J.D. Vance, he's got his reasons why he likes him. Uh, you, you know, one thing about Trump, you can never, ever, ever <laughs> figure it out. It's like, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's like something, one of those animals that just never stops moving. You never know what direction it's going to go in next. Uh, it's just to fool you. But uh, uh, his endorsements are still important. He hasn't turned the race around in Pennsylvania, though. Oz still uh, neck and neck or trailing him, depending on the poll. So we'll see if that endorsement really means anything there. 
Yeah, that's it's a strange it's a strange circumstance there. You've got several candidates splitting the vote a little more there, I think, than people expected. Uh, Kathy Burnett up against the uh, the two guys, uh, you know, the powerhouses in their own right, uh, Wall Street and uh, uh, and you know, Doctor Oz on television. It, it's really an interesting race, and it and as you say, there's there's no clear uh, uh, winner here, and a lot of surprises could still lay in wait. I think that I think that uh, primary is uh, early May. Uh, yeah, we'll see. They had the first uh, debate. It wasn't great. And, you know, if you're a Pennsylvania resident, you love your state, you realize the two top candidates, uh, neither have been in Pennsylvania for 40 years. One's a Washington swamp guy. The other's a TV doctor. And they just showed up a month ago to run. So I don't know what that says about Pennsylvania. Yeah, it says, the, you know, that they've got some itinerant politicians. Yeah. <laughs> uh and well, it'll be fun to see what happens, but, you know, looking over at Ohio, a lot of fun there. That's unexpected, I think. And I'm pretty sure the president's surprised by the strength of the opposition to his endorsement of J.D. Vance. I mean, it is a real it is a real pot boiler of a story. And it's it's not going to get any better because uh, the the state over half over half of their delegates to the Republican National Committee and Convention are, are the ones saying, please, Mr. President, don't interfere in this. We're pushing uh, Josh Mandel, a very popular candidate, at running ahead in the polls uh, until he threw his endorsement behind J.D. Vance. And they're very upset. And, it, and I'm talking with the, one of his lawyers on television, and she's, you know, she's insisting that this isn't top-down politics, and I'm suggesting that this is telling the grassroots to go to hell when you've got this going on. Your thoughts? Well, you know, there's another factor, and I love Donald Trump. He was a great president. He's got so many Me great too. qualities. But everybody's got their flaws, and he was never uh, the very best at picking people. You know, uh, Jeff Sessions would be a good example. Uh, Rex Tillerson. Well, you get the picture. I mean, there were some strange choices at all points in his uh, political career. And there's a little of that going on here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I and I said to his lawyer, I said, very straightforwardly, you know, he's I, I love his politics. Uh, excuse me. I love his policies, but I don't love his politics because he seems to get the the personnel part just sometimes just a little uh, <laughs> upside down. And I can't figure it. To, this is a smart, smart guy, obviously uh, a great, uh, a great guy. Uh, and sometimes I don't think he can read people the best. Well, he was kind of like that in his own company. There were some strange hirings there, but it was because he was kind of a one-man show. He it was hands-on and ran everything himself. So uh, that's why he was able to get away with it. Government, it's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different story. I, I want to turn to another, a different story, if you will. The Department of Homeland Security is creating, are you ready for this? I'm sure you're aware of it. Well, I didn't know we still had that department. It's still there. <laughs> well, they, they have a, I think they have a one day work week, uh, but when it comes to border security, certainly and immigration, but they've set up this disinformation governance board to fight misinformation. And you think to yourself, what agency besides the intelligence uh, group and the FBI uh, and, and the white house to put out more uh, misinformation? Uh, then Homeland Security, for crying out loud. Your reaction? 
you know, uh, you grow up just admiring all these uh, people, the CIA and our intelligence and our FBI. You know, but over the last few years, you look at our FBI directors, uh, you look at our intelligence, uh, CIA, they seem to get everything wrong. How come we didn't know that Putin's army was a primitive and uh, a, a, like a little league army? We don't know anything. The Department of Homeland Security, people are coming in left and right from everywhere. Uh, we don't know what's going on half the time. The ports are all clogged up. You'd think the uh, Homeland Security would be concerned about that, too. Uh, so I, I, I really don't have a lot of faith. I mean, it's a tribute to this country that we survive these bumbling agencies. <laughs> well, and we spend untold black budgets, but billions and billions, uh, tens of billions of dollars every year uh, to get back assessments from our intelligence services. But they never seem to know anything. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're sitting there with perfect imagery come from our satellites showing us uh, one line of trucks, one line of tanks all across the border uh, with, between Ukraine and Russia. Now they've got 200,000 troops there from Belarus to Moldova and still no word. As a matter of fact, they're all arguing in the White House about when the invasion comes, then the invasion comes. Uh, after it's, it was the strangest three or four months I've ever seen looking at all that buildup. And the United States doesn't do a thing. It's almost like the United States, and by the United States, I mean this White House, the Biden White House, and the genius military leaders in the Pentagon wanted a war. I, I, and the intelligence agencies. It doesn't, nothing else seems to make sense. Yeah, you know, you talk to people on the inside and they tell you the intelligence department actually has no intelligence. All they have is technology. All they have is satellites. They can count how many tanks. They can count uh, soldiers, see where they are. But they don't know anything. They don't know when they're going to move. They don't know that they're all young kids and they're conscripts and there's an alcohol problem and they don't have a proper command structure. So we don't know what's going on there. We, we can just look from above and count things. But we have no idea on movement, on strategy. We just our intelligence knows nothing. When you first heard about the invasion, did you think, OK, this is going to take about three days? This is the vaunted uh, remnants of the Soviet era. Uh, uh, military and it's going, I, I, you know, feeling very sorry for the Ukrainians because this is going to be over in, in days, uh, not certainly no one dreamed this thing was going to go three months, at least none of the military analysts that I talked with. Yeah. Cause we didn't know anything, you know, I don't go by me. I, I used to watch those military parades in front of the Kremlin with the way they would march. And those tanks were so impressive. Now you see them in the field those rockets <laughs> in the field. The tires don't work. Uh, there's so much corruption. The tires weren't made properly. They're all blowing out. They uh, tried to come in on four fronts. They couldn't manage the supply lines. They don't have uh, commanders. They don't have sergeants. They don't have any, uh, colonels or captains. So when the, uh, the convoy got bogged down, the general himself has to get out and walk up to the front. And that's why all these generals got bombed. They're right there in the front getting uh, in the middle of everything. So we, we had no idea about all this. Obviously, we don't have any spies that know anything about that army. And if you don't have hum, human, human intelligence, I like yeah. to do that just to show I've been to Washington once or twice. Uh, it, it, what what is the point of this? What is that budget buying? Uh, but you know more nonsense and more spying on presidents and attempts. They spent more time trying to overthrow Donald Trump than they ever considered uh, spending to overthrow Putin or Xi Jinping. I mean, how crazy is that? 
with him watching these news reports about Putin's mental condition, his physical condition. Look at the way he holds the desk. He's shaking. The media covering this left. And how come they don't do this with Joe Biden? The guy's bumping into walls, doesn't know where he is. Let's hear about his medical condition. You're exactly right. I mean, if they gave the same treatment to Biden, he'd be out of there in a week. Uh, but they're not going to do that because they don't have anybody uh, doctoring picture, <laughs> pictures for, for Biden. Or do they? I don't know. Maybe they do. Uh, this left-wing uh, Twitter war that is uh, that Elon Musk has launched is, is, is really funny to watch because all of these little buttercup daffodil sensitive, who knows what uh, noun to throw in there, uh, let alone pronoun, uh, for those folks, they're crying, they're weeping. Uh, the lawyer, the top lawyer for Twitter as the deal is done is breaks down in tears for crying out loud. These are the people banning, suspending, crushing lives and, and existence on Twitter with, uh, with abandon. And suddenly now they're going to get a big check because of a change of control and a takeover is uh, Elon Musk takes it private and they're bawling. They're bawling, Mark. What am well, I to make of that? I mean, that's the fun part of it. Now we're going to go into phase two, which is they're going to try to they're going to try to Donald Trump, Elon Musk. They're going to try to take him out. They're going to paint him as a racist. They're going to try to make him a criminal. They're going to try to indict him. You know, they started the first day by saying he doesn't pay his fair share. He doesn't pay taxes. Uh, he paid 11 billion last year. That's the single biggest payment ever in American history. Right. So uh, but now they've started the racist stuff. They're looking for racist things in his past. Uh, they'll do what they did to Trump. They'll, the attorney generals will go after him. Uh, the White House will go after him. The Justice Department, the SEC, the FTC, they'll send everything after him and try to criminalize him. And I hope he's I hope I'm sure he's a smart guy. I'm sure he knows that. And I'm sure he's ready for it. This is not a fair fight. Just to be very straightforward about this. Uh, Elon Musk versus the SEC. Are you kidding me? Those are nothing more than left-wing activists, and they're married to various people in the uh, in the FBI who've got some interesting backgrounds. Uh, this is, you know, people should think about this. I think, Mark, remember the first volley from from Elon Musk on Twitter's management and their resistance to his buyout, which he did very nicely, put a real nice number on it, a number that the company wouldn't see in its stock, for, uh, you know, for years. And guess what they, what he did? He laid out the fact that the entire board of directors, aside from the CEO, and of course, Jack Dorsey, uh, had uh, like 50 shares of stock between them. <laughs> and they're supposed to be representing the shareholders to have aligned interest with a shareholder uh, and be managing that company, that CEO. And it clearly... That's one of the reasons that that place has been so dysfunctional for so many years and has been a disaster. The stock is a disappointment to Wall Street and all investors. It is, uh, it's like a sinecure for left-wing uh, uh, pencil-necked uh, buttercups. I, I, I don't know what to say about it. it it's just it, and for them to be crying about it on top of that. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, you know, when you say board of directors, most people are picturing uh, Lee Iacocca, Warren Buffett. You ever see the Twitter board of directors? It's a bunch of 26-year-olds in T-shirts in San Francisco that uh, they're, they're, not, they're no match for the greatest entrepreneur in American history, uh, Elon Musk. And I know that uh, Jack Dorsey is his uh, secret consultant. Dorsey, not happy about, he's the founder of Twitter, and he's not happy about what happened 
Well, they've uh, treated. You know, I, I look. I've got no sympathy for Jack Dorsey. He's a left winger to the highest uh, degree, and has made some beautiful mistakes in his day. Uh, amongst them, the treatment, uh, you know, the treatment of the New York Post, uh, the the banning uh, of uh, everyone who touched that story uh, on Hunter Biden and the laptop. The, the steel curtain came down from Silicon Valley through uh, every corporate owned news outlet in the country. I mean, he's not a, he's not a, a, a wonderful exemplary model uh, for fair and balanced and uh, objective, uh, you know, impartial uh, platforms. But on the other hand, uh, to see what they've done to this company, uh, they have one guy who could fix it. And as Jack Dorsey said it very well, he, he said that Elon Musk is the singular the singular choice that he would make to save that company. And I think he's exactly right. There's just yeah. no, it's just not, it's not a fair fight. It's also a whole network of stuff. Uh, Democrats created this whole infrastructure of nonsense. You know, they created these fact-checking sites that are totally rigged and totally biased. PolitiFact, uh, factcheck.org. Somebody's got to get in there and straighten those out. Even the Washington Post uh, uh, fact-checker, they're just ridiculously biased. And they use that as a excuse to take you off Twitter or Facebook still uses, they'll put up the right, right. thing from the fact checking site. You lied and that's it. You're off. He's, he's, he's got to do something about those two uh, buy those. And uh, by the way, Disney is, I think it's only 165 billion. He could buy right. that and still have 75 billion left. That's enough to live on. And that would sure please the people in yeah. Florida because they they've had a belly full of the management of Disney. Now after poor Bob Chapik was talked into uh, by the uh, the woke crowd to get involved in parental rights. That's, by the way, one of the great tells right now in, in this highly nuanced media of ours. If you, if they refer to the law in Florida as they don't say gay law, that means they're lefties to the bone. <laughs> uh, if they refer to it as parental rights, that means they're traditional, they're conservative, and on the side of truth, justice, and the American way, as we are on this podcast. Uh, I think it's, I think it's in some ways hilarious to watch uh, what is happening with the impact of wokeness on America. Yeah. You know, there's one Twitter employee, there's a place where they're all posting their comments, but this Twitter employee identifies himself. Here it is as a, he's a non-binary transgender and plural person. Now, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> I have no idea what either. that is. How do you explain that to a six-year-old in school? I had enough trouble with the. Uh, algebra i would never understand this yeah. well they, by the way that's what would have been going on they would have been explaining that in school in florida uh for young people five to nine having discussions about uh gender and sex uh it, it, who wants that what parent in his or her right mind wants a teacher explaining that to their children uh, it's just it's insane they're years away from the age of reason let alone, uh, you know, uh, you know, simple algebra, uh, what in the world would they want to do? Uh, how can they even justify it? It's beyond to me comprehension. Just no, a, like good, you. a good rule is if any adult anywhere talks to your six-year-old about anything, sex or sexuality, call the police immediately. <laughs> we we exactly. have laws already to cover it. It's well said. Uh, so where do we end up with uh, with Twitter? Because I have to tell you, I've had a bunch of followers <laughs> added. Uh, I have uh, over 
2 million uh, followers on Twitter, but we've, we've been getting them in uh, by, I, I don't know, I guess five or 6,000 every, uh, every, I don't know, three to five hours. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's not just you. It turns out it's everybody. I've been gaining a, a thousand every two days. Everybody has been getting their followers back, which is conclusive, absolute proof that they were tampering with uh, everything. Right. And they used to argue that they're Russian bots. Has anybody ever actually seen a Russian bot? And uh, <laughs> if there was such a thing as a Russian bot, why would I be following it? Who would be following it? Yeah, and I, I've never quite understood that either. A Russian bot, but there are no Chinese bots? Come on. <laughs> Come on, you know, you know, there are no Iranian bots. I don't know. I'm not buying all that. You can't keep putting it all on Russia. I, I know it's the thing to do in America for the last seven years. Russian bots, Russian hoaxes. It's all, you know, it's all good. Meanwhile, China is taking over the world. Uh, but let's worry about Russia right now. Uh, what do you make, you know, since we're on a, such a light mood here, why don't we turn to the uh, Ukrainian uh well, it's the Russian war on Ukraine, not the Ukrainian war uh, to see Zelensky. Now he is, you know, I, I get a kick out of the guy. He's telling people how it is. Uh, he's talking to uh, Blinken, the secretary of state uh, and Austin, the secretary of defense is saying, don't you come over here empty handed. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's telling them, bring me the goodies right now. That's it. There wasn't a, it wasn't a threat. It wasn't an ultimatum. It was the only channel available to them. Uh, come on over and we're going to have fun with whatever you bring me. Uh, and, and apparently that's exactly what he got. Yeah. Well, Zelensky is Churchill in a t-shirt. He is an incredible, uh, courageous hero. And he knows that Blinken is a mediocre middle management, uh, worthless guy, as in uh, Lloyd Austin. You saw what a great job they did with the Afghan uh, withdrawal. They're two <laughs> bumbling idiots. And I, I understand what he was saying. He's saying, don't come over here and uh, think you're going to get some credit for a photo opportunity. If you don't have weapons, I'm not going to say anything nice about you after you leave. So, uh, and they should be giving him weapons. The, the, we have as much at stake here as anybody else does. Yeah. And Blinken, I was told by a lot of people who knew that Blinken shouldn't have even been in the national security team, uh, that he was just, just not up to par, uh, as a talent, uh, Lloyd Austin. I haven't heard anyone say, you know, I'm sure glad he went out and got Lloyd Austin to be secretary of defense. I feel safer. Uh, and I think one of the reasons is he speaks in cliches, uh, Lloyd Austin actually said yesterday that he he wanted everybody to understand that in nuclear war no one wins uh i i thought that was one of the most <laughs> interesting statements i ever you mean unleashing nuclear weapons on both countries without limit uh is not good for us okay uh, i just it's the secretary of defense i want to know how you're going to stop those guys and win that war i don't want to be told uh, we're starting out with mutually assured destruction you tell me how you're going to win and why you have spent the last 50 years not knowing, learning how to win. Well, let's bear in mind, this is a guy uh, in Afghanistan where there was no fighting of any kind. All he had to do was withdraw, lost. <laughs> even that he couldn't win. He made a mess of that. How do you screw that up? Yeah, uh, and he hadn't even been in the job for a year. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who, as you say, he, he lost. And, and Biden. He was in a hurry. What I don't quite get, though, is Ukraine, because they knew when they started asking, 
Ukraine to join NATO back in the fall of 2021, that that was a red line for Vladimir Putin and that he had said he won't stand for it. And they kept telling Ukraine, come on in and join NATO. <laughs> and, and Blinken says, no, we don't believe that had anything to do with it. But he has no other explanation for what caused Putin to cross the uh, invade that country. Yeah. I mean, and we don't have any actual working media here. If we did, they'd be all over this. Uh, you could find 10 reasons that uh, the Biden administration caused this. Hey, not to mention, speaking of Afghanistan, we left 78 billion in state of the art weapons there. Right. Uh, when it just put a half a tank of gas in those planes, we could have flown them over to Ukraine at the time. We could have just given that all to Ukraine. And what a difference that would have made in this fight. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I just, I, I can't believe that there's no energy expended by that media at all. We know now, thanks to the reporting, the New York post, Miranda Devine, uh, and of course the great Peter Schweitzer, uh, and his book, uh, red handed, uh, on the Chinese Biden corruption. It's why isn't there more reporting on the Biden corruption? Well, it, it's pretty obvious what happened. You know, Biden's in a history of all these lies, one lie after another. This is his single greatest lie that he never talked to his son's business partners. We got a picture of them playing golf together. You right. spend four hours on a golf course with somebody and don't talk about business. Uh, we now find out the story about the business partner coming to the White House 19 times isn't true. It was actually 27 times. If a, you do have any guy that's ever come to your office 27 times that you didn't talk business with, and uh, we, we have a picture of Joe Biden going to the Cafe Milano, the big hotspot in Washington, D.C., right. to meet the 12 business partners in a back room for two hours. He says he didn't know who they who could they have been uh, Hunter's classmates. They're, they're all 20 years older and they don't even speak English. Uh, he, he didn't know who they were. Well, I love this. Uh, the, the Biden <laughs> Joe Biden's ethics disclosure omits $5.1 million in a tax filing. <laughs> and they just noticed this. There's $5 million missing. And as somebody said, you know, the big guy is supposed to get 10%. So that could be 50 million in the family coffers right there uh, represented. And we've got a four-year investigation going in Delaware where the issue is tax evasion. Uh, and still no answer. Do you think the Biden surname has anything to do with it? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a public servant for almost 50 years on a public servant salary. He's not a wealthy guy. You got to have a lot of money to have a $5 million error in your reporting yeah. to be off by that much. Uh, and, you know, this has been going on for years. He's a congressman. He's a senator on a senator's salary for years. Yet somehow he bought the DuPont mansion, the DuPont estate in Delaware and lived there. Nobody ever asked him how he afforded the DuPont estate and then his beach house. He's been profiting. You know, most guys leave office and then start to make millions. Mm -hmm. He figured out how to do it without leaving office by yeah. using his two brothers and using his son as a bag man. Uh, and, and the media just looked the other way for decades on this. Yeah, for decades. And they're still looking the other way. And people are accepting the idea that this investigation could go four years. And everybody's accepting Bill Barr's statement that he didn't want to intervene in the election of 2020, even though he knew Biden was lying through his teeth and knew the state of that investigation. Uh, 
how do you rationalize that, Mark? How can it be rationalized? Uh, he says he didn't want to intervene. He changed the course of history for crying out loud. Yeah, you know, you look back on history. Uh, it's because he's a Democrat. What if Nixon had been a Democrat? Woodward and Bernstein would never have done anything. They would have written a story about how the Watergate didn't seem to have good locks on their doors. And uh, why did that door open? <laughs> uh, you know, I always ask about John F. Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. How come it never got reported? Well, it was a different era. No, it's because it was a Democrat. If that was Richard Nixon, <laughs> it would have been on the front page the next day. It's yeah. it's all based on the partisan nonsense. Which makes you wonder, you know, who was it who really killed JFK? Was it a Democrat? Uh, because for crying out loud, we still don't really know. Was it one bullet, two bullets, three bullets? And who fired it? From what direction? This after years and years of so-called investigation, I don't know how many books, how many documentaries. We still don't know the answer to who killed JFK. Oh, I think we do. I've studied this carefully. Definitely Oswald, definitely the three bullets. And you had uh -huh. three of the greatest reporters standing there at the time, McNeil, Lair, uh, and Bob Schieffer standing right there. And from that moment, investigated everything. You know, McNeil said uh -huh. he jumped over the uh, wall where he ran up the grassy knoll, jumped over the wall. He said there was nobody there. Nobody. Yeah. Why did he run there? Because uh, uh, people turned and looked as if the shots came from there. Ah, and so, he was in the car behind. So he ran up there and looked, and there was nobody there. Well, I mean, that just tells us that somebody was faster than Robin McNeil uh, in a sprint up a hill. Well, right? but he got he got over the wall, and it was apparently an enormous open area with train tracks, and there was nobody in sight. Did he? Did you ever notice those sewer uh, sewers and, and the manhole covers? Uh oh, so this is what happens when you get on this. Huh? <laughs> Did you ever check that out? Did you ever look at the drain on the side of the curb from which they think the rifle might have been pointed as they came around the curve at uh, Delay Square? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a clear shot. Some people say. Uh, you know, I've actually stood bed. in that. I've stood in that window. Have you ever gone up to that window and looked down? I can't say I've ever been up to that window. Oh, it's not a, it looks in pictures. Like it's some long, it's very close. Yeah. It's not very far. And that window's very low. And uh, there's the famous 1968 CBS test where they put 10 people up there and gave them Oswald's rifle and they were able to duplicate the shots. Yeah. Which way did the president's head jerk back uh, on the, on the shot there? Oh, here we the go. <laughs> Uh, didn't it go backwards? I, I I can't remember for sure, but I think it went backwards. Suddenly I'm in an Oliver Stone movie now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you volunteered expertise. I just want to see where we go. Oh, here. Again, you got uh, the great Secret Service agent, Jerry. Um, um, what's his name? Was right there looking at it. And uh -huh. uh, it, it seemed like it came from he, he turned to look at that window. Uh, McNeil is on the car right behind. He thought it came from there. And they do say if you can shoot from behind and there's some kind of uh, whatever that effect is that makes the head go back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you're not and, buying this. Like, and, <laughs> and, 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 but we don't really know what happened to his brain because his brain was missing when they got to the final uh, autopsy in D.C., right? Uh, Clint Hill, that was the Secret Service agent. Well, that's the brain. It's once you get to DC, you're in the swamp. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> things, laptop isn't real. Things vanish. Well, you know, we're here now. I'm, I, I really, I laugh at people who worry about the JFK conspiracy like I do. Uh, and so, you know, you and I are, are good friends for a reason. We both are fascinated by it. Uh, and uh, you think we've got a conclusion. And I think, uh, 
I'll keep an open mind about uh, where it is. It's uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating story and, and and good fun to talk about. Just like it is. Uh, do you believe in UFOs? Uh, not really. No. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> Well, that was Mark. Be careful because I had the, 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 uh, yeah, I saw what happened in the last fight. I'm going to be careful here. Uh, <laughs> but if you came, uh, 20,000 light years from another planet, why would uh -huh. you just go to like Montana? Wouldn't you come to New York or you'd see all those lights on in Los Angeles? Wouldn't you co go there? Why do they always go to the middle of nowhere? Well, I've got a Harvard professor on my side this time. Uh, uh -oh. he is, he's, he's asking for an investigation into the crash in the ocean. Uh, of a uh, what is a perceived uh, asteroid meteor you, you can get to, uh, depending on how big it is and everything else we'll find out but it's cylindrical uh in shape broad shape i mean it's rough and it looks like a piece of stone but it is arguably cylindrical and the question is why not and they believe it came from uh, uh outside the solar system if so it is the first one that we will know of. And there's a question about it. Is it a probe? This professor says, not me. Is it a probe? Uh, was it a relay station of some sort? Or was it perhaps a vehicle of some kind? There are other possibilities, but those are the three principal ones. And he wants an investigation. He wants to use a magnet to pick it up off the ocean's floor. So what do you think? I think if you got that kind of technology that you can go to another solar system, what the hell would you want here? What, what would be interesting on this earth? Uh, and again, you wouldn't go to the middle of nowhere. You wouldn't, if you're that sophisticated in your technology, you're not going to crash in the Wait ocean. Wait a minute. Can you imagine the sheer delight for any extraterrestrial when he or she says, take me to your leader and they show, they show him Joe Biden bouncing <laughs> into another wall. I mean, it would be, I, and that would just be a moment where, you know, the, the poor extraterrestrials would say, you know, this is not worth it. We're going home right now. So, uh, well, if they did come here, I, you know, obviously you'd go to, you'd look down, you'd see New York city, you'd go eat yeah, every illegal alien ends up right in the middle of New York city or Los Angeles. Uh, these people have another solar system and end up in the ocean. They, they, they wouldn't just come for a second and crash and live. more would happen if it was real. Well, you know, you and I are going to have to travel up to Cambridge and talk to that Harvard professor because he wants to spend some taxpayer money on it. And I think it's our duty to either support him or, or prevent further waste of uh, government money. I've always uh, found it's a good rule. If they're in Cambridge, don't listen. <laughs> our new Haven, yeah. uh, two really dangerous yeah. places. Uh, <laughs> You know, think about it. How many of our judges uh, and our presidents have come from Harvard or Yale? It is they ought to. You know, here's I have a, a step toward solution on the rotten leadership that the, the country is experiencing right now. Why don't we ban ban Harvard, maybe the entire Ivy League? Uh, Harvard, but certainly Harvard and New Haven. And by the way, any time a man claims to have been a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, perhaps like Joe Biden did, we could ban that too. Penn would probably have to be included. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we, I remember when Biden, uh, uh, the last appointment, he said, now we have real diversity on the Supreme Court. You got the 12, nine justices all from Harvard and Yale. That's not diversity. If you took the top criminal lawyers in the country, you'll notice they're all from Brooklyn College, uh, Hofstra, none of them are from Harvard. 
<laughs> or the oh, yeah. University of Texas, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's one or the other. Well, you know, it's been great fun talking with you. I appreciate it so much, Mark, uh, you dropping by. And uh, uh, we always give our guests the, the last word. So here you go. Well, I love this podcast. I listen all the time. It's great stuff and keep it up. Well, thank you very much, Mark. And you're a good friend, a great American, a, an immense talent, uh, a broadcasting legend, and Mr. New York. Mark Thanks. Simone. Thanks so much. God bless. Thanks. Mark Simone, a great American and friend. Tomorrow here will be our guest, John McLaughlin, great GOP strategist and pollster. He'll have with him his new latest political poll to give us a penetrating insight into the current state of the body politic in America. Please join us right here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.